Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire, to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. This episode feels very personal, and I'm excited for you to be here with us. If you enjoy this podcast and this conversation, the absolute best way you can support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content, so thank you in advance. This week, we're diving deep into the fashion industry. As most assume, it is unhealthy, toxic, and filled with drugs and partying. And for myself, working in the fashion industry as a model for over a decade, it was, and it took a toll on my mental and physical health. Since healing, I came to a powerful realization though. For many years, I was at war with food and my body, and I carried a story that food was the enemy and working as a model was to blame for my self-hatred and behaviors that nearly cost me my life. It wasn't until I kept digging deeper that I recognized that it wasn't the modeling industry so much to blame as my internal belief system of unworthiness and low self-esteem that drove my behaviors, and more specifically, the belief that I needed self-validation outside of myself to be loved. And I used the modeling industry as a way to fuel these current beliefs that lived inside of me. Although my experience was deeply complicated, and of course, I'm not giving the fashion industry an out for looking at how they can make positive changes and become more diverse and inclusive, I do have gratitude for what my time in the industry did teach me. Secondly, I have also become fully aware that each model's experience within the industry greatly varies and my experience was very different than others. And because this podcast is intended to allow us to see the world from different perspectives, I invited Sarah Deanna on the podcast this week to share her personal experience and the blessings that came to her through working in fashion. Sarah was raised by a single mom in a small town of Jefferson, Oregon. After putting herself through high school and college, she made her way to Los Angeles to pursue a graduate degree in business at the University of California. After bumping into a photographer in the Hollywood Cafe, she soon would launch her career into an international fashion model. Sarah has appeared in Vogue, Elle, and Marie Claire, and has walked the runway of international designers such as Versace and Stella McCartney. She's also a Hay House author of the book Supermodel You, where she debunks myths about modeling, fitness, and beauty. Today, Sarah is sharing her honest experience within the fashion industry and how she stayed true to herself during this career. We are also going to dive deep into why being a certain size doesn't mean that you are not strong or unhealthy and why confidence is the key ingredient to success. Additionally, I'm excited for her to share her experience so that we can all develop a different understanding of certain misconceptions about the industry, how it's evolved over the years, and how to stick true to ourselves in any profession that we choose. Whether you've worked in fashion or not, or are unaware of the cultural impact fashion has had on you, I trust that you will find great value in Sarah's wisdom today. All right. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here, for coming over during <laughs> this crazy pandemic. I can't believe I haven't seen you in, I mean, we were just talking a year-ish. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. I love to get to see you and I love what you're doing. So thank you for having me. Of course. I. It was like, having to keep rescheduled because I was, you know, in quarantine from being exposed. And then we were like, should we do this? Should we see each other? Should we not? Um, And I'm really glad that we ended up actually getting together when we're both COVID negative and actually being able to see your face because, man, it has been a hard, how many months have we been in this? Almost a year. Almost a year. Yeah. 
I was like, nine months, 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like forever. It feels like forever. And it's nice to just like sit and have a mm-hmm. conversation with someone in person versus yeah. on a screen having to wear blue light blocking glasses and wondering how long the Zoom meeting is going to go. So I'm excited to have you here. And I'm excited to have this conversation because I think so many people hear my story about modeling and they probably from what I share, make an assumption that the modeling industry was really bad and it drove me to eating disorders and which is true. And it also impacted my relationship with myself. But the part of the story that I think is really important is that that wounding that existed within me was fueled by the modeling industry, but was already there, Uh right? That was already part of who I was. And you've had a very different relationship to modeling. You've had a very different career than I've had. You've had what I would consider, you know, a very successful and healthy career in the fashion industry. And so, and getting to know you, I think it's also really important that people people have the awareness that you can be a size zero or two and you can still be healthy because I've witnessed that to be true with you. And so, you know, this podcast is really about breaking down those assumptions. And I thought, let's bring light to the fact that you've had this beautiful career. Let's, let's talk about it and bring this, bring this truth to the table. And I would love for the audience just to hear your story of how you got into the modeling industry and then how at a certain point you pivoted right into writing an incredible book with Hay House and really focusing on health and well-being as more of a, a voice in that direction as well. Right. Well, thank you. And yes, I agree. I think that this industry needs light shed on it for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that mostly all we've ever been told in here is that, you know, it creates eating disorders and people are addicted to drugs and alcohol and all these things. And that was not my story. Um, thank God. So my story started with having a really hard childhood and I had a lot of trauma and a lot of my issues very young. And I saw my parents, you know, being addicted to drugs and alcohol and all of those things and and my sisters, you know, dropping out of school and getting pregnant really young. So I had already this relationship to drugs and alcohol and all those things as something that I knew I wanted to avoid. And I had gone down that path for like a second, you know, I was smoking and doing that stuff, but that wasn't who I was and that wasn't who I wanted to be. And so I think by the time I had started modeling, I already knew mm-hmm. that that wasn't who I wanted to be and that mm-hmm. wasn't the path that I was going to go down. Also, prior to even starting modeling, I had stopped eating meat when I was 12 years old. And I had never heard of a vegan. I didn't know what that was. I don't know what triggered that in me other than I saw the bird on the table and that's when I made this realization and this connection to understanding what the food I was eating, what it was. And Mm. I realized this is an animal. And then I wanted to know what's this and what's that and what's that. And so I changed my eating habits also very young. Mm. And I bring that up because I think all of that, and I'll come back to all of that, how and why that led me to where it did. But I'm a super healthy eater. I'm still vegan today. I don't eat sugar. And all of those things, they trigger certain pathways, the same as drugs Mm -hmm. and the same as food issues that people develop and all that. And I think that that's kind of was my saving grace that Mm. I changed my diet young, that I already had all these traumatic experiences early on. And I knew that wasn't the path for me. So I got discovered modeling after school and I came to California to go to UCLA. Actually, I was a massive overachiever. Everybody thought I was super smart. I would not say that I was super smart. I just studied really hard, did extra credit Education was my way out of this lifestyle that I saw, like my family members and my other peers going down of drugs and alcohol and going into the uh, prison and jail systems. And so I came to California. I finished early and I was supposed to start in the fall. So I had like six months or so. And during that time, I got discovered, as they say in modeling, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and immediately I went off to New York, Milan, Paris, like all that and started there. And like I said, I already had this eating habit of eating relatively healthy, although I didn't know everything about food, but I, you know, wasn't eating sugar. I wasn't eating meat and all of that stuff. I had a good relationship to working out, which was positive and Mm -hmm. beneficial. I played sports. So I had all of these things already going for me, Mm -hmm. I think. And I think that that's what led me down the path that I, that ultimately ended up in. 
And yeah, I started modeling, living in model apartments, and I became the go-to person uh, for all the other models <laughs> about what to eat and what yeah. to do and what exercises to do. And agents were telling girls, I don't know, but Sarah Diana, she eats and she's, she still fits the clothes. And so talk to her, you know, mm. and then everybody started talking to me and asking me questions and wanting to go to work out with me and wanted to eat what I was eating or go grocery shopping with me. And I didn't know everything, but I became so passionate about it because I wanted to help. So I really wanted to show women and girls one that, you know, that they could have whatever body they wanted and that they could, you know, achieve whatever life they wanted for themselves. And I call that the supermodel version of myself, which is the title of my first mm -hmm. book. And that's how it started. It's amazing. And I think it's really important to point out too that we often, I know you and I eat a certain way and some people would say that that's restrictive. Mm -hmm. Some people would say, oh, well, you're totally. restricting yourself from eating sugar or you're restricting yourself. Like I don't eat packaged food. I don't mm -hmm. eat, I don't eat food from when you, when I walk in the grocery store, like the middle <laughs> aisle, don't go. I am avoiding <laughs> those areas. I avoid GMO. Mm -hmm. I avoid anything that has toxic chemicals in it, anything mm -hmm. that has been processed or packaged. And that's specifically for me. And, and I would love to dive into this a little bit more. That's from a place of self-love. Totally. And I think that that often is interpreted as, well, you're restricting yourself. If I was, you know, I don't get to eat the pizza and the pasta mm -hmm. and all of the things that I want to eat or desire right. to eat. And that sort of mindset, I think, is confusing, right? Because then people think, okay, well, she's actually restricting herself. And that's why she, like for me, I, I'm healthy at a size four, six, you know, mm -hmm. that's, and that's what I've come to recognize is like, that's my healthiest weight. And so for me, when I start to gain weight and I start to feel lethargic, mm -hmm. I have brain fog, I don't feel as well. I'm motivated to lose weight. I'm motivated to get back to a place where I'm healthy because right. that's where I feel my best. So I would love to talk about this a little bit more and dive into this because I think that there's these misinterpretations of what restriction looks like. And often restriction isn't based on, oh, I'm depriving myself, but it's actually from a place of, wow, I'm caring for myself mm -hmm. and my body actually doesn't want that. Yeah. I think we all have this, like you were saying, you know what, where you feel best. I think everybody has this, they know where they are best and they know, or they know where they want to be that is their best self. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, again, like what I say is like your supermodel version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you have this person or your higher self version or whatever. This person exists. And I believe that you can align with that person. And if you think about that person, how does that person eat? And how, what does that person do? And all those things. And you kind of get into that thinking process of that and that mindset and thinking about that. And does that person gorge on, you know, candy and sugar and soda pop all the time? Probably not. You know, that person is taking care of themselves mm -hmm. and eating well. And yes, I'm the same. Uh, I don't feel like I restrict myself at all. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, live a little, you know, like have some whatever junk food. Like that is not living to me. That is not like, that's not my idea of like, I mean, my idea of like happiness and having fun is like green juice and <laughs> colonics, you know, <laughs> fasting, you know, that I just, I, that's thrilling to me. Like that is like, I love this kind of stuff and I'm super grateful that I feel that way. And mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people, you know, they don't feel that way. They love, you know, like a great meal or pasta or whatever and I have no judgment at all mm -hmm. towards that but I think knowing who you are and mm -hmm. like aligning with that version that you want to be that's really important and, and then with the food choices like you were saying I'm the same I obviously don't eat you know <laughs> I don't eat any bad food I don't think like mm -hmm. really I mean for me what's bad is just uh I mean maybe I eat too many like protein bars or something you know like I really like I'm so clean with the way that I eat and I really love that mm -hmm. and that comes from me as being aware, mm -hmm. aware of the foods. And I think if people in general are more aware of what they're eating, of what's really in it, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Like I said, like the bird on the table when I was 12, like I just never realized that that was meat or that that was that bird that's walking around outside, you know? And then like honey, like honey is this like bee pollen that's created from, you know, a bee, a bee flies into a flower, chews on the bee pollen, it goes into their stomach, mixes with their stomach juices, goes into their other stomach, and then they regurgitate it, and that becomes honey. And so, like, I just wanted to, like, understand, understand and yeah. become aware about everything. And, like, superfoods, you know, like, where does superfood come from, mm -hmm. or, you know, or if it's, like, if it comes from, like, the highest mountain and, you know, wherever, is that actually supposed to be for human consumption, mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. like, I think about all these, everything. I'm just fascinated. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, having awareness... 
in that way is so important. Mm -hmm. And if people just pay attention like to labels and thinking about food and where it comes from, they'll make better choices. Yeah. And getting like curious. Like it's inherent. Yeah. Getting curious. And we were talking about this earlier, reading the fine print. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important. And I don't like to, again, categorize food as good or bad no. or right or wrong, because again, it's, it's based on our own intuition It's based on and what feels good in our body. But I think it is about becoming conscious first of where's the food coming from, what's in the food. And then the second piece is like becoming aware of how it makes us feel afterwards, mm -hmm. right? It's like, how is it feeling while you're eating it? Are you enjoyment of it? Is it, okay. is it cultivating the feelings of nourishment and gratitude? Do you feel full after you've mm -hmm. eaten? And then actually, how are you feeling after the food? And that's similar to movement too. Um, I would love to dive a little bit into your movement routine and how that shifted during COVID. But I think again, when we cultivate this place of self-love and really connect into that and say, okay, if I were really connect to what you, you call the supermodel you, well, that's about well, figuring out what is the absolute best mm -hmm. movement that brings me joy and happiness right. and and yes, it could be like soreness after, but it's also like, you know, the, the gratitude that my body can move. And I feel like I'm uh, thriving always, yeah. in that experience. And so, yeah, let's, let's dive a little bit into movement too, because I think from an intuitive place, it's so easy to look online and be like, well, these people, you mm. know, that are experts are doing it this way. And therefore I need to be doing my workout routine the same way. But the problem is our bodies change and we have to be flexible mm -hmm. and we have to change with them and things change like the pandemic and right. and we also have to connect with what feels feels good for us things change so much and as a female as you know and as most of your listeners are probably females as well it changes every day of the week mm -hmm. and based on our cycles and all of that so it's really important again to create this mind-body connection with your body to listen to your body and your body wants to move, guaranteed. And But some days, like, maybe right before your period, you don't want to move at all and listen to yourself then, too. I've always been a big, like, movement person. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about that, too, in my book. And obviously, like, there's things, like, to encourage movement and things mm -hmm. that discourage movement. And you want to encourage as much movement as you can, which includes the way that you dress. And, you know, like wearing high heel shoes is very uncomfortable mm. and you're not going to want to walk very far if you have heels mm. on or whatever. So you need to wear comfortable shoes. You need to have comfortable clothes on. Think about those things in ways for you for ways to get more movement. But yes, moving is very important. I am a hardcore at the gym. Mm. And, you know, on the days that I didn't have very much energy, I would still go to the gym. I just would do something chill or like watch a TV show and like be on like the treadmill or like on the elliptical or something easy, you know, but I still always went to the gym or I would do some chill yoga class or whatever. But I was just like, that's a part of, part of me. Mm -hmm. And then COVID happened. And first I was just kind of walking and then I really got inspired. Uh, one of my coaches from the gym started this like 100 miles, I think it was like 100 miles in 90 days or 30 days or I can't remember exactly mm -hmm. which one it was, but it was like a challenge, you know, like some social media challenge. So I was like, yes, I'm doing this. And most of them were running. I mean, you could walk too if you want to, but it was like you wanted to get 100 miles. I think it was 30 days. And so that's what started me in running, which is so hard. And before I was running on the treadmill at the gym and it was so much easier because there's less impact and mm -hmm. we were doing more like interval running and I started running outside and that's been a real challenge. And we're 11 months in, 10 months into the, the pandemic and I've been running for that long and it's still really hard. Mm. I'm building my way up there, but I love it. I don't get the runner's high like people talk about. Mm -hmm. But I really, really love it. It's hard and it challenges me in a way that I never was challenged before mm. working out. I never I never really sweated before at the gym. And almost every time I run, I sweat. Mm. Which shows me that I'm pushing myself enough. Yeah. It's also interesting too, because like the runner's high, right? People are like, oh, you're going to get the runner's high when you, <laughs> when you keep running. And, and I think that's an interesting point because so often we we feel bad about ourselves when we're not getting the results, mm. right? That mm. are advertised or that other people are, you know, flashing on our social media, mm -hmm. you know, through the algorithm. It's like what we're, <laughs> what we're searching for is, is showing up. So if we're like starting to run, it's going to start showing us all these people that oh, are running. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're in the comparison mindset oh, yeah. of like, oh my gosh, like I can't run as fast as so-and-so <laughs> ran six miles the other day, yeah. one of our mutual friends. And I was like, how did that person <laughs> run six miles when I can only run like max four without like dying the whole time? <laughs> So, so we go into these stories, right? Mm -hmm. Like we go into yeah. these 
I call them like at least algorithm comparisons because that literally social media yeah. is like spitting back at us yeah. basically what we've begin to integrate mm-hmm. into our life because we're talking about it. It's totally. hearing us on our phone. It's spitting it back. Yeah. And so I'm curious in terms of the comparison mindset, specifically in the modeling industry, because what what was interesting to me working in the modeling industry was it actually healed so much of my wounding from my bullying years in high school mm-hmm. and uh, my relationships with girls growing up. And because I had to really, really confront myself on the comparison mindset because I was in it all day, mm-hmm. every day. And so I'm curious for you, was that a mindset shift that you were living in? And Absolutely. You were. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I so I tricked myself early on in just pre-acting as if, you mm-hmm. know, or I would do things where I would when I would go to castings and there's a hundred girls and if you sit around and you're just looking at everyone else, you start, your brain just starts like Mm -hmm. whatever, where I would like turn, I would, instead of looking around or letting my mind go there, I would be like telling myself positive thoughts or I would be listening to some kind of Mm. music or some kind of like meditation or hypnosis Mm. or something just to like get myself out Out of of that. that. And do you think that helped in terms of your success because I feel like had I had that I probably would have worked a lot more (laughs) I mean I definitely think so it's such a weird industry but I definitely think for sure it helped me a hundred percent like yeah I think like you can go both ways Mm -hmm. and you see it you know like Mm -hmm. you can either use that stuff constructively like all the negative feedback or people saying you're ugly or you're fat or all the you know insecurities that you develop Mm -hmm. you can use it in a constructive way or you can let it tear you apart Mm mm-hmm And I think because I had already been so torn apart as a kid, not to say that there's a lot of things negative that happened to me in the modeling industry that didn't hurt me. I think I was a pretty tough cookie, I guess, already. Yeah. And that benefited me. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because for me, I... (laughs) I came from this like <laughs> woo-woo family who like preached spirituality into uh-huh. like, like showing up in New York and being like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? <laughs> like, where am I? What's happening? And I think a lot of that negativity of just like, it became self-inflicting and then it reinforced all the neural pathways that, you know, that were once developed as a child around, you can't trust anyone. And, and so for me, I really had to go in and do do a lot of the inner work. And it's really interesting how, you know, our childhood really can and and growing up can really drive us one way or the other towards healing or towards a more, like Mm -hmm. you said. It has such a huge impact. And I'm so grateful every day because I mentioned it earlier and I think it's so important is changing my diet. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, I I honestly, Sarah, I just realized this so recently how (laughs) important and I like want to be studied about this because I'm the only one in my family to become vegan. I'm the only one in my family to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only one in my family to graduate from high school, to not fall into like a drug and alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. you know, relationship, all of these things and to accomplish all the things that I have. And people are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, God, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Like I would just think about, there were things along the way, like certain people believing in me, playing sports was a huge part of mm-hmm. it, which sports is so important for girls. And a lot of girls drop out and it, it says, um, I just watched, I just read this thing, always tampons and like Walmart is sponsoring this thing mm-hmm. for females about trying to keep more women in sports and how good it is and beneficial it is for women. Mm-hmm. And for every view, I'll send it to you because it's important for every view that it gets, they donate to like a women's like sports association. Mm. But that was really important. But I was like, I don't know if that was what it was. And to be honest, I think it was not eating meat, not eating sugar, which activates, you know, the same mm-hmm. pathways as cocaine and heroin and all that. So I think that that was so profound for me. Yeah. It's incredible that you had that awareness at such a young age. Yeah. I, feel I like- don't know where it came from, honestly. Like my family's like, oh, Sardiana, she's crazy. She's like doing this to get attention. And I never even heard of a vegan. I didn't know, like <laughs> at that time, like it was not this thing that it is today, like some kind of fat or whatever. And I, it wasn't like I said, oh, I'm a vegan. I was just like, oh, I'm not eating meat. Like, no way. I'm not eating that. I'm not drinking milk. Like that stuff just freaked me out when I thought about it. Like, okay, milk is for like mm-hmm. a baby calf. It's going to be like two ton. Like I was like, would I drink a human breast milk? Like that's weird. You know? So I was like, this is just weird. You know? And mm-hmm. I decided for myself because nobody was telling me either. I think the neglect that I got as a child made you curious. helped me so yeah. much. Yeah. Like it helped me. And we talked about vaccines earlier. You know, my mom out of neglect, I didn't get most of my vaccines and I've never been sick. I've never mm-hmm. had the flu. I've never like, 
I've never been like hospitalized. I mean, knock on wood, and I'm super grateful for it. But I have such a good immune system. Mm. I don't know if that's why, but all of these things I think benefited me mm. in the long run. And I'm super grateful. I've had like such a crazy childhood, and I, it was obviously very hard and painful. But I'm so grateful for everything that I went through. Was there anything that has come up that has that has felt like? even though you witness like the gratitude of flipping the switch on so many of these things, has there been anything recently or that has resurfaced that you, that you have had to do a lot of deeper work on specifically or mindset shifts around maybe career relationships, like maybe during the pandemic that came forward, (laughs) money mindset, (laughs) anything? Yeah. Yeah. I think you always have to, I think that you always, when you're, when you have trauma, especially young, Mm -hmm. you always have issues and mm-hmm. you think you you think you dealt with it but then sometimes you don't even realize you blocked it out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's a potential for me for sure I mean my life is not perfect and uh, I still have you know issues and I have addictions like I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol or anything else like that you think of as bad but I'm addicted to working out like mm-hmm. we talked about I'm addicted to eating you know healthy food and like mm-hmm. so I've created these other addictions in my life mm-hmm. they're healthier obviously but they're still you know I can see like when COVID happened and I couldn't work out. I mean, I was like, for the first week, I was freaking out. Mm. So that's like an addictive behavior. Mm. And when I go to France, you know, sometimes like I can't always work out and, or when I travel or whatever, and I, I get like on edge and, you know, that's the, mm. it's the same as like an yeah. addict who couldn't get their drugs or whatever. I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> or if they don't have, you know, vegetables for me or healthy food for me, I freak out because I'm so used to this other way of living of my life yeah yeah so yeah. yeah i mean i have issues yeah for sure <laughs> i didn't mean to ask you about your issues I didn't. <laughs> no there was another one that made me laugh so i didn't i didn't bring it up i um too shy to say it talk about that one. <laughs> okay <laughs> when you're comfortable we can do another podcast but no it's just it's just interesting and i think it's important for people to hear because you know i think also right addiction gets transferred too mm-hmm. so so I've noticed, you know, certain addictions getting transferred and and mine in the modeling industry was actually more on the, the alcohol and the drugs and the <laughs> and the work working out and the eating. Yeah. And then what I've re- recently noticed is that addiction gets transferred to potentially like being an extrovert and like always needing to see people or always needing to mm-hmm. build my business or working really hard or, and those addictions are often, you know, for me, for me, um, this is a reflection of my experience, you know, the avoidance of something deeper, like you said, in terms mm-hmm. of the trauma and having to really say, okay, well, I'm, why am I pushing this aside? And am I willing to confront this and do a little bit more of the yeah. deeper healing and go within and, uh, you know, and look Yeah, at- it's funny, you know, because so most people, like, like we mentioned earlier in the modeling industry, they fall into like the drugs and alcohol, the eating disorder stuff usually. Those are like the main things that happen. And for me, I think I actually, like, I was so afraid of those things that, like, I actually would avoid situations. And I I don't want to drop any names, but, like, there were certain designers that I would be working with or photographers Mm -hmm. who I'd be working with. And they would invite me to, like, say an after party or to, like, a party or a dinner or something. Mm -hmm. And I would not go one, the sex thing, obviously, if it was, like, a male and I thought it could potentially go there Mm -hmm. or I could get put in in a... potentially compromising situation, mm. I wouldn't do it, but I would do the same thing if I thought that those people were going to be using drugs mm. or because I didn't know h- how to respond to that, you know, like mm. how am I the person in the room that's like, oh no, thanks. I don't want anything, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen other models who did follow that path and do par- and did party with those designers and stuff who became like part of that crew mm-hmm. and were very successful because of that. And I get a little bit of like, ugh, you know, mm. in me because I know that could have been me, but at the same time, like I'm happy that I didn't go there because mm-hmm. I don't know what would have happened. And right. I obviously love who I am, but that was my experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting, right? When we look back and there's, there's a little bit of that regret. Like I have some of that specifically around, you know, just with my, sat, like the sabotaging of certain aspects mm-hmm. of my career, or I didn't feel worthy of certain jobs. And I would just like, you know, not totally. show up fully present or I would, you know, <laughs> like 
I, it seemed to always be that like the day I went out of town, I'd have like the biggest, <laughs> the biggest casting or, right. you know, you know, I definitely felt this, that the sabotaging energy. But then when I look back, I'm also in, in gratitude. And mm-hmm. I think that, that it's okay. And, and the point that I think is important to hear is that we can have mutually, we can have two feelings at the same time and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Totally. Like there can be the like, looks like, Both, yeah, yeah, like the, like, uh, what would have been. Mm-hmm. And then there can also be the, the gratitude for, mm-hmm. wow, this is where my, my life. I think took it me. always works out, you know? And like, even if you had that, like, oh, regret later on at some point, mm-hmm. I think you probably made the right choice. Mm-hmm. And full circle of this one situation that just happened with me where I had regret a little bit. And then I was like, no, I'm like, wow, good choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, <laughs> that is, um, is so important is that especially when it aligns with our health. I always tell people that when you're, when you're not living your healthiest life and you know it, mm-hmm. like when you really feel that and yeah. you're making choices that are, that are harming your health, you're not actually living in alignment with your purpose. Like it's, you can't be living in alignment with your purpose and then hurting the very vessel and vehicle yeah. that is carrying you forward. You can't be your best self yeah. like, at all. Yeah. I, I mean, this pandemic has really like just emphasized again, like health, 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 mm-hmm. health. And it really, really is like, it is more important than anything else in this world. Like if you don't have your health, like mm-hmm. you really don't have much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious for you. We talked about the, or you, you just got your aura ring. Just got the ring. What other <laughs> stuff have you been implementing? I mean, let's talk about the aura ring and then anything else you've been implementing during the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, so awareness was always a huge part of my life and that's like where it all started being aware about the food and asking questions and all that Mm -hmm. and I talked a lot about awareness as a key in my in my book it's Mm -hmm. the first key in my book to like everything is like creating awareness in your life about everything like Mm -hmm. everything that you're doing like how much you're sleeping are you stressed out why are you stressed out what are you eating why are you eating it what's in it how do you feel like just creating this awareness around everything so I was already in this like hyper aware environment like inquiry like getting curious Yeah. And then, you know, there's all these wearables that are coming out. And so just all those things are just added layers of awareness, which I think information is so important Mm -hmm. and it gives you power. It gives you confidence. It gives you like tools to work with. And I think awareness is, it is the first key in my book and it is one of the most important things I think in life is just having awareness about everything in your life. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden I'll be stressed out one day or anxious or whatever it is. I'm like, why is this happening? Or why Mm -hmm. am I feeling this way? And it can be something completely unrelated or something that has nothing to do with me, someone I passed by and, you know, they were, they said a word or I don't know. It's like all these things. So just being aware of like why your body's acting a certain way. I think this is really important. Mm-hmm. So I was hesitant for a long time to get the, get any of the wearables because I'm just not big on wearables or a ring, as you know, it's a low EMF thing. And my boyfriend had one and then he just got me and I, and it's silver and, or black. So it's very masculine. So I, was like, oh, I don't want it. And then they just came out with the gold one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, now I want it. Okay. So I have it. It's only been one month. So I don't know that much yet, but it's amazing. It's just like, I already know, like if I slept bad, I know I slept bad, mm-hmm. but then to see the data of like, oh yeah, you really slept bad. It was all light sleep. You mm-hmm. tossed and turned all night. All of that for me is just even more empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible that we now have access. And I think the the beauty of that is that we no longer have to rely on waiting six months for getting into mm-hmm. a functional medicine doctor or integrative doctor yeah. or saving up to be able to get access to certain testing. It's like we we now have a lot of that. There's so many tools. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, not that you have to have a wearable, but I think it's just important, again, just to have awareness. How many hours are you sleeping? How much? How many hours do you need sleeping? When you slept seven hours, how do you feel versus sleeping nine hours? Just, like, creating that awareness is so important. But then, like, if you have a wearable and then you have more data, mm-hmm. it's really powerful. Yeah, I just got the levels, which is the blood glucose mm-hmm. monitoring. Yes, so that's like going to be interesting. So we'll see how that goes. I, I've i also noticed myself being very careful to not go down the rabbit hole of like self-punishment or getting <laughs> mad at myself either, to, you know, because I think that that can happen as well, where we just as the addiction to Mm -hmm. the food and the workout and all of the things, like we can almost get addicted to our scores. I know my husband wakes up and he's like, what What happened last (laughs) night? I got the worst sleep ever. And I'm like, it's okay. Like you're going to have a good day. Life will go on, you know, and it's the remembrance of that 
there are the trackers and a lot of variables that impact, you know, how we feel. The thing that I love the most about about wearables and really understanding is that um, then when we're off, there's benchmark for why. Like there, mm-hmm. you know, there's the reflection of okay. Yeah, well, and you get a research why. Like yeah. why, why? Okay, I want to know why. And like I told you, I've only had this, you know, less than a month. And I already realized that based on where we are in our cycle, mm-hmm. it changes. And and this is like so interesting and empowering for women because again, like we're different every day. Our cycles affect us so much. Like so much. And I see these books that you have of these amazing women, friends <laughs> that we know that write about this kind of stuff. But it's amazing. And if any girl isn't tracking their cycle and isn't following that, I mean, yeah, yeah. get with the program, girl, because it's so important. Yeah. And it's important just to understand like, okay, why am I feeling tired and I mm-hmm. should be resting? Or why am I feeling anxious? Or why am I mm-hmm. feeling stressed? Or why am I not as excited to be social today? And not beating yourself totally. up. I mean, that's the problem is that we have lived in a culture where most of the research and the scientific data is primarily uh, based on studies but mm-hmm. with men. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't been based on, yeah. on studies with women. And so there's not a lot of research. And that's the other pieces. Like when you're reading about study, like when, mm-hmm. you, when you look online and you see a study... <laughs> actually dive into like who wrote the study who's funding the the study (laughs) i think that's even more important is like who is funding the study and usually like it takes me three to four pages of google to get to one where i'm like okay this is actually funded not for profit this is not funded Mm -hmm. by an organization that is trying to manipulate something in order to present data that will sell (laughs) something right or or push a pharmaceutical or whatever, whatever the case may be. So it's really, really important. And I'm, I, I'm a big advocate of reading the fine print on everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> Food. All the studies. things you have to accept for like, if you're on a website or whatever, oh man, those, it's crazy. All the fine print on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I'm curious how you've kind of shifted the mindset to, wow, that sounds like so much work. Cause I feel you know, especially in the biohacking space, it's so funny. I just wrote a post on this. It's like, I was like, oh, I, you know, drink water with my crystals and I have my QI <laughs> machine that blocks my 5G and I sleep on a cooling pad. And like, it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? To keep ourselves healthy. And so I'm curious for you because I've heard from so many people. And when I start to talk about all these things that I do on a daily basis, people will say, oh, that's so much work. Right. Like, just like you said earlier, just live a little. Like why? Like <laughs> doesn't that get exhausting? So maybe we just talk through like that mindset shift right. to kind of propel people. Like yes, you don't have to start with everything all at once. But what would be like the simplest things right. to start with? And what are the things you kind of outline in your book? So you and I are both really passionate about all this mm-hmm. stuff. So for us, it's not even work. It's just like oh, we love it. Like <laughs> we want it all. Like. <laughs> Give it to me. Give me everything. Like the most obscure. If people were like, you guys have to wear this certain clothing with these funky glasses every day and this weird hat. And you and I'd be like, yes. I don't know. Like that's just, we love it. Totally. But I get like, it's a lot. And I get like that it can also stress you out if you Mm -hmm. don't have those things. Cause Mm -hmm. then you think I need these things. Mm -hmm. When I first started modeling, like traveling a lot and all that, I was crazy about my eating habits. And I would, if I didn't have my certain foods or my certain vitamins or whatever, I would get, or my certain skincare products, because I was crazy. I would like mm-hmm. bring my own makeup and everything. Like I was like stressed, like completely stressed out about it. This was so unhealthy and I had yeah. to realize that. But I mean, I would be like, heart was always racing. If I had to pack before a job, I was like so anxious. I'd be packing for like a day, you know, to make sure I had mm-hmm. all my vitamins or I'd have to go buy my protein bars or ship them there before or whatever. And I realized if you... Like, you cannot be that way. Like, it's so unhealthy just Mm. to, like, relax and chill and trust your body. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't get that certain protein bar or vitamins or whatever, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You're going to find something. If you have to compromise a little bit on your diet, it's cool. Your body can handle it. I had to get to a place. I think I in my life a little bit, I always kind of tip off balance a little bit before I find the balance again where I'll go too extreme. Mm -hmm. I was super extreme, like raw foodist, you know, like I had to have only raw skincare, only raw everything. And that was a little bit too much because I was stressed because you couldn't always find those things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. And that was a lesson for me. Yeah. So I think 
the question you wanted me to answer was <laughs> what would be like tips or but, something? yeah no there's like this like the the things that you would focus on first i mean obviously we know like water and hydration and sleep yeah just in your book kind of would it actually be getting more greens clean food would it be like what are the things that you've noticed in terms of the people that you've worked with, the people who have read your book that make the massive amount of difference, the quickest and the easiest that don't cost potentially. The most important thing is sleeping. I sleeping, swear. yeah. Yeah. Like it, so <laughs> lack of sleep is pretty much the cause of everything. Overeating, overstressing, not having energy to work mm-hmm. out because you're not sleeping enough. Like everything, if you just sleep better, your life is going to be better. You're going to feel better. You're going to look better. Like, yep. It's such an easy thing. It's so simple. It's just sleep more. Mm. And just like think, I'm thinking through the person who's like, that's impossible. You know, I, like, <laughs> I, you know, cause this was hard for me. Cause I was an insomniac for <sighs> years. I cannot be, I love sleep so much. Like if I could go to bed, I mean, that's the one thing COVID it's like, there's nothing happening at <laughs> night now. I'm just like, okay, it's eight o'clock. I mean, it's been dark for like three hours now. I'm ready to go to bed. Like what else am I going to do? Watch TV all night binge eat you know like i'd rather go to bed yeah 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 yeah. i mean a lot of people are living their lives the reason why is that they're living with artificial lights mm-hmm. they're staring at like computers on like the brightest screen or their phones on the brightest screen if you can dim your lights dim those devices mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that that automatically is going to kick in the melatonin and you're going to mm. start to get sleepy earlier mm. so dimming lights blue blocker glasses there's a lot of. I mean, if even you don't need the blue blocker glasses. I mean, mm. yeah. I mean, if you're having your computer on the brightest, yeah. But you can just dim your computer, yeah. and there's a software even that blocks there's, the blue lights right, out. So right. it's, it doesn't have to be so extreme. I just like those things, and so do you. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's it's fun for us. But you don't have to be crazy or weird or do those things. Yeah, they're very simple things. I mean, in when you go camping, for example, pretty much everybody goes to bed early when you go camping because mm-hmm. there's no lights. Mm-hmm. artificial lighting is what keeps you awake yeah if you don't have artificial lights and artificial stimulants and all that you're going to go to bed early there's an app called the iris app which i like and it basically just you know turns my computer to, to sleep mm-hmm. mode and then just now it's time for bed <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love that so there's yeah there's definitely things you can integrate to make your life either easier i think it comes back to awareness, awareness like you said yeah. it's really becoming aware and i think the thing that I would recommend is taking one habit a month, you know, and looking at, okay, what is, what can I create from an awareness perspective Mm -hmm. around this one thing? So what is it, is it hydration? So this month is hydration and integrating, you know, first, you know, a journal or something to actually bring attention to, am I drinking every day? Can can I put on an app? How many glasses of water? I think people, people also tell themselves a story that often isn't true around their health. So they can be like, oh, I'm hydrating all day. But then when you actually realize it's like, oh, I actually had two cups of coffee and a soda and that's not hydration. So we have to first bring attention to what is actually true, the truth of what's what's showing up. And I've had to do this pretty much on every habit that was unhealthy for years. (laughs) And it took me a long time to start to shift them. But yeah, the first step is bringing that awareness. And then secondly, what are the the steps that I want to take to start integrating something slowly so I don't go into self-sabotage or shock that, you know, all of a sudden my life looks so different, but what are the simple ways that I can integrate these new habits? And I think doing small, slow steps once it's a, a month. It's a muscle. Yeah. yeah. It's a muscle. And I, and, and I, in my book, I talk about how models, we have to create certain awareness around like our body, for example, mm-hmm. how our body looks, how our, how our clothes fit on our body, how our posture is, mm-hmm. how we hold ourselves, like how we're posing in a, in a thing. And just the, as any awareness that you're starting, like you say, start small, you're going to, it's going to build to something else and it's going to build to something else. So if you start with my posture or if you start with whatever it is, drinking more water, you're going to, it's going to grow into the other areas of your life. And you mm-hmm. want to ultimately have like full awareness of everything that's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can do you you take control and you become powerful and em- empowered that way. Yeah. Yeah. And also recognizing it doesn't have to be this overhaul. I think the overhaul is the sabotage. Right? It's like, okay, I have to do this all at once because totally. you know, because I'm burned out and I'm stressed out and I'm overwhelmed. And, you know, I have to start this entire detox and revamp my entire life January 1st. And then it's like, well, of course, if you are trying to revamp your entire life and integrate all these things, it's just not, 
it's not possible because your mind then goes into like, holy fuck, what is this? I'm in survival. <laughs> like I can't keep up. And then you just, it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's like what I've noticed over and over again. So I've had to take one little thing at a time, which I think is, you know, is the most important thing and, and the thing that you can do. And then, yeah. And then you can integrate all of the apps and the wearables and all yeah. the fun things. Awareness we talked about too. And I just want to mention this because I know social media is such a huge part yeah. of our lives, but even creating an awareness around how much you're on social media. Mm-hmm. I set a timer for my Instagram, on like how much I'm on there. Yeah. And the second I hit that, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And yeah. I'm on there again. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so important. I mean, even I've had to notice when I get anxiety or I get stressed and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to turn on Instagram to try to manage that for some weird reason. <laughs> and then I'm like fueling it and it's getting worse. And then I'm going down the comparison trap and then I'm like, oh, she's doing this today and she's doing that today. And I'm like, no wonder my anxiety is getting worse because I was already anxious about how much work I was going to get done. And now I'm like in the comparison trap about all these other people doing all this other work. And then <laughs> I'm wasting time, which is like not helping. It's like, it's such a weird mind fuck how we use social media to really, I guess, vibrationally and energetically match the state that we're in. And we can easily and quickly, like even in a place of insecurity, find something to be insecure about on social media or, you know, you know, or find something to be sad about or find something to be frustrated about whether... Just the same, you can find things to be happy about. Exactly. So if you're... Follow certain hashtags (laughs) about like happiness and positivity. Yep. And self-love. And so so it's like, it's also going into the, into any experience, even social media with an intention and becoming aware of like, how, how am I showing up to use this app? How am I showing up to be present to the experience of being on social media? And what am I choosing to engage in? And whenever I'm I'm not feeling fully aligned, I, you know, like you said, I turn it off and then I get regrounded, realigned to myself and yeah. say, you know, I'm the only person that has control over this experience that's happening, happening within me. But yeah, social media obviously can be great for for some positivity and some <laughs> things, but I think we definitely the awareness. I follow piece. like all the like the positive hashtags, like self love, yeah. like all those. I love them actually. Because it's people it's things I would never see. Mm-hmm. Because of the algorithm, you would never see that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like curating your world based on mm-hmm. on how you're feeling. And it's interesting as I've worked with clients, seeing the shift of even maybe like after the third or fourth session, them coming to me and being like, wow, like through that awareness of really recognizing my truth, I literally just went on a complete detox on social media. Like I unfiled all these people and I started engaging in these other experiences and then the algorithm shifts and then it shifts to who Mm -hmm. you are now. And so we get to really create that experience. We totally, we do get to and we should. Yeah. And not that I'm not a fan of like getting other people's opinions and seeing two sides of every story and especially in the media and the news. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of it is fuel to make us feel bad so that we click on certain things so that we engage and buy and, you know, the cycle, the cycle continues. (laughs) Break the cycle. I know. I have to break the cycle. So you wrote a book on genetics, but you never published it. I mean, I didn't finish it, but like I did all that research. I mean, you know, because we actually did talk about it. I remember yeah. we talked about it. Yeah, I did like 20 different genetic tests. I was so passionate about it. I was yeah. so, I really thought it was like, that was the future and it was going to solve everything. And it's all down to genetics and epigenetics. And mm-hmm. and then I realized like, it wasn't. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's still very, very powerful. And I learned a lot. I just didn't get to write the book I wanted to write. Mm. And so- I couldn't prove everything with the the science. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I don't know. I just like dropped it. I just like got disinterested. It was Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. It was sad because I love when you're like really passionate about something. something. And I just love that feeling. I'm almost like that's another addiction if I can get that feeling, which is hard to get for Uh me. Like my first book, it was just, you could not stop me. Like every, no one believed in me. Oh yeah, Sarah Diana's writing a book. Like she's a model. She never wrote anything. <laughs> so true. But like, I was like, I'm writing a book and nobody's going to stop me. And it happened. It's amazing. And and it's like the book wrote itself. I mean, yeah. I, I hated writing. I hated it. I still like don't really love writing. Yeah. I just wrote a script, like I said too, but it's just like, it's funny. I think it's interesting too, 
that, you know, if you have a vision of something, it doesn't mean always that you have to love the process. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I also, my least favorite class in high school growing up was English. I, 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 I hate, you know, I hated writing until I learned how to write copywriting, which is very different than actual writing. And like, I wrote a book, you know, and I just figured yeah. it out and you just do it one step at a time because often the, yeah, the process isn't enjoyable. And I think that's where people get, get caught up where they're like, oh, if I'm not enjoy every single moment of my life or every single day, maybe mm-hmm. this isn't my purpose. This is maybe isn't what I'm meant to do. Maybe this isn't you know, the vision I'm supposed to have for my life. And I think it's important to also recognize that not every single part of the mm-hmm. bigger vision is going to be this like blissful experience. Sometimes it's it's hard and it's challenging yeah. just running a business. Is, is I still say listen time. to that though. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you're not feeling something, I guess. I mean, with my first book, like I said, like you couldn't stop me. Like no one could stop me, even though I had none mm-hmm. of the tools or resources or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is happening. I was so passionate about it. And that feeling is is like everything to mm-hmm. me. Of course, like you have to like pay the bills and get on with life and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are times where you're doing things you don't want to do. But when you feel that impulse of like full-on passion, like ride that. Yeah, yeah. And the second point that I wanted to make was like, often you could hate something for a very long time. And then when you're connected to your purpose, mm-hmm. it could shift totally. the energy. Yeah. I think too, like um, with writing, there's so many things I do love. Like I love research and mm-hmm. I love the medium of writing. It's a quiet, it's a loner type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. it's that's more my vibe than putting yourself out there mm-hmm. or in other ways. So I yeah. like, I like the medium of writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, I highly recommend your book and I have it somewhere on this and we book look forward show. to your book <laughs> on this I book see show. it actually it's you do? there oh, yeah. okay. I'm surprised I'm like oh I saw it yeah I didn't see it before but I wasn't too. either looking it's so for funny it. when I look at my bookshelf and I'm like <clears throat> it's just all my friends just hanging out isn't that awesome though <laughs> I kind of love that though. it's like <laughs> it, once upon a time it wasn't like that I, I mean when, my book came out in 2013 I was a pretty like it wasn't like then knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like that many people were writing books back then no I know I'm like Amy Stanton Aaron yeah. Alexander like Sahara Rose now all the cool people write books Leanna Warner Gray it's like so funny it's just like all of our friends just sitting on my bookshelf which is cool it's really cool it's cool that we that there's enough people that need health and wellness content and it's always evolving and shifting and you know people are becoming more and more yeah and it's just going to keep evolving and Mm -hmm. shifting and we're going to keep learning more and i think that's exciting Mm. i'm all about optimizing like optimizing your health and optimizing like who you are and is that because you feel you have this like big vision in life like this purpose and you don't want to (laughs) die Is that like, no. does it drive, like staying alive? I think, I think like, some people yes. in our space are like we know are. so <laughs> scared of dying that it's like, we're going to biohack until. Actually, I'm totally cool with dying. Like mm. I'm all, I'm always like a little bit afraid of flying for some reason. Mm. Cause that's, you're so out of control. If the plane goes down, you pretty much have almost no chances. So I always kind of like am mm. at peace when I get on a plane. Okay. If I go down, this is how it's going. And I feel like I've just had such a great life. Yeah. I feel like I've accomplished so much and I'm really proud of like overcoming all the things that I have and like the person that I am. I I know I'm a very good person and I don't know, this this just makes me really happy and content. And so like if I die, like I'm good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to die, you know, but I think like I'm obsessed with optimization and just being your best and feeling your best. One, because I think I have felt that. I've tapped into that. I know what that feels like and it just, that's how we should be living our lives. But also because of my higher self version, who I, you know, I know this person, I know who she is, I see her. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how we all should be living our lives, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. I believe in that person for you, for me, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that person has the perfect health and looks the best and, you know. Feels the best yeah. and is happy. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how, that's what life is about. I don't understand. I mean, I also love, I do love have to admit, like, I love the the struggle in a way. I think it's very beautiful. And I think it just, the depth of struggle. And, like, I can feel it in my heart just talking about mm-hmm. it. You know, like, mm-hmm. pain and agony and sadness and all these things. Like, it makes you feel something. And it takes you to a place that you can't get to if life is just happy Blissful. and good and right. awesome. And you're just, like, feeling great every day. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think from an optimizing place for me, it's about 
presence. And it's about like, if I have mental clarity and I don't have brain fog and I can be fully present to life's experience and get to mm-hmm. be in whatever it is that I'm experiencing to the fullest, right? Yeah. And feel really good in that experience. Then for me, it's worth all of this, what people mm-hmm. would consider work. And to us, it doesn't feel that way, but but the extra energy that it takes mm-hmm. allows me to experience life at a different level. And I'm also not excited to die. I'm a little more fearful than you. <laughs> so. I don't want to die. Don't get me wrong. I, I just mean, mean, I've come to peace with it. Like, I'm like, if I, if I end up going at some point, I go, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I would like to try to become as healthy as possible just to, just to live as many, many years of my life, life as possible from a place of, um, being energized. I saw Craig's yeah. dad. I mean, Craig's dad just passed away, my husband, but, I know, so sad. but he literally the day he passed he was vital and yeah he wrote like he rode his bike like eight miles that day was you know laughing with us and Mm -hmm. joking and positive and healthy and could go hiking with us and i was like that's the way to go that's i know that's a good life yeah like being 80 years old and riding your bike and playing with your grandkids and living that kind of experience is is i mean i believe that's how it should be for everyone Mm -hmm. Like what people go through and suffering and that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for being Thanks here. For How can me. people find you and get your book and all of the things? I'm I mean, sure just, Sarah's gonna post it somewhere. I'll post but, it underneath. Uh, yeah, my name's Sarah Deanna and you can find me at Sarah Deanna. Everywhere pretty much. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I loved how Sarah offered a very different perspective of the modeling industry and debunked so many beliefs around fashion, staying healthy under certain pressures, and how we must all recognize that everyone has their own set weight that they are healthiest at. Additionally, in today's world, there is so much judgment being placed on the physical appearance, and it is important for us to come back to us and trust that health is attainable at our own unique size. As Sarah shared, when she began to support other women in the industry, she helped them shift their relationship with food. Because psychologically, restriction often takes on the form of self-punishment, with our own judgment of certain foods as being bad, and even self-identifying with being a bad person for eating certain food groups as we deem bad. Research continues to prove that methods that elicit fear, guilt, shame, or regret are less effective than those based on positive thinking. So instead, as we discussed, what if your goal was simply to reach for foods that made you feel energized or calm? Can you see how that would be a completely different way to approach your health and your well-being? A goal that trains your brain to focus on the positive health benefits and how it's proven time and time again to be more sustainable than reminding yourself of all the things you can't have. Additionally, as Sarah shared, investing in your health isn't always about money. It's also about where you invest your time and your energy. We don't have to continue to live from the belief that celebrities and models are the only ones that get to be confident, in love with themselves, and most importantly, healthy. I encourage you this week to explore what your options are. There are hundreds of programs right now during the time that we're in being offered for free. This is the best time to get access to content to expand your mind and improve your well-being. Additionally, I have always been an advocate for simple methods that cost nothing, and now my recommendations are more relevant than ever. Drinking plenty of water, getting a solid eight hours of sleep, breath work, meditation, journaling, spending time in nature, cultivating healthy relationships, and creating community. And if you're struggling to get started, I offer you this powerful question to ask yourself. How can I start where I am? Chances are that if you did everything on this list above, you would see dramatic improvements in your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And so I want to remind you and empower you to start now wherever you are with simple self-care practices that cost you nothing, and I'm here to support you if you so desire. I trust that you enjoyed this podcast and this episode and the conversation as much as I did. I believe we can all benefit from Sarah's knowledge. Drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more of and how can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? You can find me on the gram at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-A-N-N-E, Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, Sarah and Stewart. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love wherever you are in the world and I cannot wait to connect with you further. 
All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here, you are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.